Doing well, doing good. I know, I love the new colors, right? I feel like I should walk in and get free Starbucks coffee. I mean, the next step's going to be like a big Starbucks sign on the front. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be crazy. Crossroads Church, sponsored by... Never mind. Just kidding. No, it looks awesome. I'm so excited that somebody crashed into our building so we could get a paint job out of it. Aren't you? It's awesome. All right. Well, I'm happy to see you guys today. Pastor Terry and Lisa will be back with us in a few weeks, so you're stuck with me. Yes. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. So... Let's pray, because we're going to need it. (laughs) Father God, we just invite you today, Lord, to come and be part of what we're doing here, Lord Jesus. We get to couple with you in what you're doing. Lord, it's not about us, it's about you and your grace towards us. Father, I ask that you'd speak to us through your word today. Bless our time that we have, Lord Jesus, in your name, Father. Amen. 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 Have you ever thought about what you would think or what you would do if you were told you had six months left to live? Ever thought about that? For some people, that is a very real scenario. I mean, that's a, that's a scary thing to think, right? For some of us, if, if we think about, man, what would I do if I, if I were told I had six months? I mean, some people will probably treat the dog a little nicer, right? I mean, say nice things to your wife, Right, maybe a few nicer things than he normally would say. Right? You, might, you might actually own up to liking cats. You might tell some people, I have to come out of the closet. I am a cat lover. Right? I mean, who, who knows? Right? I mean, there are different things that you may think, you may do. In fact, uh, a few years ago, uh, I, I was diagnosed with a, with a nervous system disorder. And uh, I won't tell you how I got to that point. We'll talk about it another time. But, but in the process of, of, of this whole neurological disorder coming on, it got to the point where I, I used to run a lot. I'd run like a mile and a half, two miles a day, and I loved running. I really enjoyed it. And it got to the point where my right leg wasn't keeping up with the left. I was like, Some, something's funny. And uh, over, over the course of about six months, five months, it got to the point I couldn't walk from, from the stage to the door back there. Couldn't walk hardly at all. And I, I went to see a neurologist, and, and he sent me to another doctor, and they sent me to some other doctors. And, and it came to the point where they said, well, we think you have this, but we don't really know. But, it, it, you know, it's just, it's just what it is, right? And so I, I'm, I'm meeting with these doctors, and there came a place where they said, you're going to need to start taking some injections. You're going to have to start giving yourself a shot. We're going to have a nurse come to your house and, and show you how to do this. And I was like you know, freaked out, man. It was, it was like the craziest thing to hear, to hear about this. So this nurse shows up at my house and, and she brings an orange and she says, I'm going to show you how, how to give yourself a shot in the thigh with this. And she pulls out this this needle that's like the size of this thing. And it looked like a steak knife (laughs) and she sticks it in the orange. And I'm like, I was terrified, and I said, that thing is going to come out the back of my leg. Have you seen my legs? They're like this thick. And she's like, no, no, I promise it's not. And I'm like, you don't even know. Well, I, I said, tell me. You know, the doctors, they, they don't know a whole lot about what's going on. They keep telling me all this stuff. Tell, tell, me, tell me what's going on. She said, well, here's the deal. Best case scenario, you're going to be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. Worst case scenario, you're going to be eating out of a tube the rest of your life and stuck in a bed. And then from that point forward, you could have important organs fail. We don't know. 
It just depends on how 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 much this progresses. And, and I was I was scared, right? I mean, that was that was a scary thing to think. Who knows what my life's going to look like three months, six months, a year from now, right? Praise Jesus, I can do what I'm doing, right? Over 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 the course of years, I got to the place I could walk. I can do what I'm doing now. The Lord has given me the strength I need to do what He's called me to do. I love it. I'm super blessed by it, right? But this is the kind of stuff that Peter was probably thinking when he wrote the book of 2 Peter. See, Peter was, was killed by Nero, Emperor Nero, in about 66 to 66, uh, 68 AD, which was just about at the earliest six months after he wrote the book of 2 Peter to the church, right? So Peter, in the book of 2 Peter, is telling us all these things that he wants us to know, that he wanted the church to know because he knew his time was coming, right? The Holy Spirit began to, to poke him in the heart and say, you know what, you're getting, you're getting to that place where it's about time to come home. Wrap it up, Pete. And so Peter penned Second Peter, the book, the letter to the church, and that's what we're going to be spending a little bit of time in today. We're going to take a look at Second Peter chapter, chapter 1. Let's read this. It says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause there for just a minute, right? To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So number one, Peter is saying that Jesus Christ is God, right? No question in Peter's mind who Jesus is. But the second thing that I want to I point out to you here, Peter says that to you who have like precious faith, right? He's writing to the church and he's saying that for those of you who have, who have followed Jesus, who have surrendered your life to him, for anyone who has ever wrestled with whether or not their faith was good enough, you need to get a tattoo of this. I'm kidding. You don't have to get a tattoo. But you got to put this thing somewhere in your house, in your car, somewhere to remind you that Peter, the man who walked closest to Jesus more than anybody that ever lived, says about you, you have like precious faith with an apostle. Because you've put your trust in Jesus. P- Peter is saying, you have like precious faith. Well, my, my faith couldn't be like, like Peter's faith. My faith couldn't be like a disciple's faith or an apostle's faith. But that's not what Peter's telling us here. He's telling the church, he's telling you, that if you've put your trust in Jesus, you have like precious faith with the man who walked closer to the living God than anyone on the face of the earth. Your faith is quality stuff. Don't ever doubt the faith that you have. That's what Peter's telling us right here. Is that good? Yeah, we're going to own that, right? Yeah. Peter's telling us now that you have the same faith as us, he wants us to lay hold of something. And we're going to read about that real quick. Let's keep going. In, in, in uh, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Has he given us some things? All things, right? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us 
by glory and virtue, that's Jesus, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, Peter is telling us now that you have the same faith that we have, Peter wants us to lay hold of of this great new nature that we have in Christ, right? And he goes on to tell us about the promises that we have these exceedingly great abundant promises that come through following Christ and turning our back on the on, on our sin nature right he wants us to lay hold of these promises he's speaking very specifically about the promise of salvation he's speaking specifically about forgiveness of sin right not just the stuff that we choose to do right i mean every one of us choose to make decisions every day that violate our conscience, but he's talking about things that we didn't necessarily choose, things that because we are part of human, the, 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 the line of Adam and Eve, right, who fell into sin, we're part of that, we've taken on that nature, Jesus came to forgive us for that. And so Peter's telling us that as we've turned our back on sin, we now get to lay hold of this promise of eternal life, this promise of forgiveness, this promise of a new nature, right? But I want to talk about promises for just a minute because those promises are real and true and they've been sealed by Christ and proven by the resurrection, right? There is no doubt that this promise is for those who put their trust in Jesus because Jesus proved it by rising from the dead, to, to, to seal everything that he said, everything that he claimed. But I want to talk uh, about some of the promises that God has for you today. The scriptures are full of God's promises, and that's what Peter's talking about, is the promises of God and how we can lay hold of those things. So let me read a couple to you. Philippians four nineteen says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That is a promise for those who have put their trust in Jesus. Is that a good one? We need that, don't we? Right? And that doesn't necessarily always look like what we think, does it? There was a time that I moved in with my in-laws and lost my house. It didn't look like that. But God, you've got to, got to, where, where's my payment for my four cars, Lord? Right? That's not necessarily, in my mind, what was in the Lord's mind about making sure my my needs were met and I was taken care of, right? But the Lord promises to be faithful to take care of you, and He will, for those who follow Him, who put their trust in Him. Um, Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And that's a big one. I remember reading that as, as a teenager and thinking, Really? God wants to give me the desires of my heart? And that really made me pause and to think about the things that I dreamed about and the things that, that, I, that I loved and the things that I saw about my future, right? God wants to, wants to, wants to join with me in that. That's, that's profound to me, that the living God would want to join somehow with the dreams and the hopes that he's put in us to fulfill those things and bring those things to life. I mean, that's, that's a huge promise, Philippians 4, 6-9 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses everything we could possibly understand will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
a peace that you don't understand, that surpasses everything we can grasp with our brain and our intellect, is a promise to you. That's a big deal, isn't it? How many need peace in circumstances that downright stink? I know I do. John 15, 7 says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And that's one of those ones that make us all go, Really? Anything I ask? I mean, how many of you ever thought about that one before? Right? I'm going to 7-Eleven, and I'm getting a lottery ticket, Lord. Right? Yeah. Not so much. (laughs) Eternal life, right? That is a promise from God for those who put their trust in Him. A helper. The Bible says in Acts that, that God would send us the Holy Spirit, a comforter, one who would guide us, one who would lead us into truth, right? A promise of a helper. God promises in Scripture that when we face trial, Jesus said this, in, in life you're going to face things that stink, things that are rotten, things that suck. But you know what? Take heart because I've overcome the world. We have strength to stand when stuff is lame in our lives, knowing that our Savior went ahead of us and succeeded, and He's backing us all the way. That's a promise in Scripture for you. Victory over struggles and temptation, 1 John chapter 4, 4. Every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, 3. And hope as an anchor for our soul, Hebrews 6, 19. It says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 20. For all the promises of God... Find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen and glory to God. I don't know about you guys, but I'm terrible at saying yes. My kids ask me something, no! I mean, I probably say no in my sleep. My kids come in, try to wake me up in the middle of the night. Dad, I feel like I'm going to throw up. (laughs) No! What? What? I mean, I, they, the kids don't even have to get a sentence out. And my brain is already going, no. It's just building up, right? Dad, can we go to the park? No. I mean, I own the no. But the Bible says that God loves yes. I'm so glad that he's not like me. <laughs> Right? God has an eternal yes for you. God has an eternal yes for, your, for the promises that he has for you. Are those immediate promises fulfilled with a yes? No. <laughs> no, but you know what? When we ask the Lord and when we begin to, to follow after him, you know what happens? God says, eternally, yes, I am behind you all the way. Now, are you ready for me to, to, to shape you? to be able to own that promise I have for you. Because sometimes it requires maturing and it requires shaping in in order for us to be able to stand on those things, doesn't it? Right? It's not just a, yes, let me give that to you. Right? If my my seven-year-old came and said, Dad, can I have a bulldozer? I wouldn't just go, well, yes, here you go. Here's the keys, right? It doesn't quite work that way. 
But if I showed her how to, how, to, how to operate this thing and use it, that's a different story, right? God's going to show us. He's going to mature us. He's going to develop us to be able to walk in the promises that he has for us. And Scripture is full of them. There, there, are, there are over 400 promises in Scripture. There are, there are an, enough for every day of, of, of your year for you to grab a new one out of there and, 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 and claim that for the day, right? And stand on those promises and ask the Lord, Lord, shape me and prepare me for the promises you have for me, Right? That's what Peter's trying to get us to see is that, there, the, that God has promises for our lives that he wants us to walk in. And that's what he's starting this book, Second Peter, out with is the promises of God and that he wants us to walk in them and, and how we're to prepare in order to do that. That's, the, that's kind of what he's getting at here. Peter wants them to walk in these promises and God wants us to own these promises um, so that we can experience all the new nature that God has for us. But there's something that Peter's saying by what he's not saying, and it's this. We will never confidently own the promises of God while still clinging to the cultural counterfeits that the world has to offer us. And that's why Peter's written the first person, portion of 2 Peter, chapter one, through t- or, 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 chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, is that he wants to lay hold of this new nature and he wants to lay hold of these promises, but he knows we will never do that while still clinging to cultural counterfeits. So what is a cultural counterfeit, right? Peter tells us it's, it's the things that we lust after, right? And it's not just when we think of the word lust, we all know what that means, right? But that's not what Peter's talking about. It's the things that our nature strives after. I would give you a couple of examples. I'll even use, I'll use some of the verses that we read just a minute ago. Uh, let's see. One, of my, well, one we didn't read earlier, uh, one of my favorite verses, Psalm 34, it says that God would lead us down the best pathway of our life. For those who are surrendered to him, he will lead us down the best pathway of our lives. I cannot walk in the promise that God's going to lead me down the best pathway of my life while pursuing building my own kingdom and building my own life and pursuing my own stuff, right? There comes a point where I have to surrender to him in order for him to lead me, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to God. Right? This is the one about peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. We have the promise of peace, don't we? Right? But there's some conditions attached, aren't there? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to God. The thing that our flesh lusts after is worry, and I can take care of it on my own, doesn't it? Right? Our, everything in us, when something starts hitting the fan, we freak out about it, we worry, right? We do the ostrich thing, plant our head in the sand and hope and hope and hope it's just going to fly by and disappear, right? But that's not peace, is it? That's a cultural counterfeit, right? We, we get this sense of maybe I have some peace if I ignore it. But that's not a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that surpasses all understanding brings you to a place where you can say, God, I give you praise and glory that this dumb thing that I'm freaking out about, you have victory over, and you're going to carry me through this. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. That's the peace that God wants to give you. Don't buy into the cultural counterfeit that we just have to shoulder this stuff on our own. Right? God said, Jesus said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. 
But see, then, then he says something kind of profound, Peter does here. He says something kind of profound. He, say, he says that we're to add to our faith. We're to add to our faith. Let's read this real quick. Uh, chapter Verse 5, it says, But also for this very reason, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from old sin. Listen to this part. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. If you do these things, you will never stumble. See, Peter says we've got to do something that makes... The church kind of a little quaky sometimes. He says to add to our faith, right? Sometimes we have a tendency to think, well, if I'm adding to my faith, well, that's, that's, that's works. And works don't save me, so I'm not supposed to do those things. Right, Martha? <laughs> so if it's, if, it's, if it's anything more than faith, well, that's... I don't know, man, that's getting weird. But the reality is this. As a church, we've not just this church, but the body of Christ as a whole, we've got to come to the place where we recognize that, 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 that works does not save you. Doing stuff, when I say works, it's doing things, right? Going out and, and serving, living for Christ, the, the outward expression does not save you. We all agree on that, right? Going to church on Saturday because that's the Sabbath does not save you, right? Right. Following the law, the Old, the Old Testament Ten Commandments does not save you, right? Following Christ, recognizing and coming to the place where we say, Jesus, forgive me, I am a sinner. Be my Lord and Savior, forgive me. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. By grace, you have been saved through faith, not of works, Another translation, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. We're all in the same playing field and works does nothing for you to get you into heaven. But we've got to understand, it gets your neighbor there. Right? Works is not about saving you. It's about saving the people that that watch your life. Right? See, faith is a foundation Faith is a foundation, and that's what Peter is saying. We've got to build upon this foundation. My, my dad's a contractor, and I've seen lots of houses get built, and, and probably a lot of you guys have too. And so, you know, when, when they build a house, you start with the foundation. You dig, a, you dig a trench, and you put some forms in there, and, you know, you, you, you pour some concrete and make a footing, and then you make a foundation that's on top of the footing, and that's, that's the big concrete thing that goes around the bottom of your house. It's a foundation, Right? We've all seen those. I have never seen anybody show up to a house they were having built, walk into the area that should be the living room, but is now just dirt and sand and a foundation around it, and, and, and say, this looks perfect. Martha, get the moving truck. We're moving in. I know exactly where I'm going to put the TV. 
You don't, do you? That'd be absurd. You don't move into a foundation. A foundation is where you start. And Peter is addressing all of this stuff because he sees that this is the most important stuff he can communicate to the church is how to own the promises of God, how to get to the place where your faith is no longer shaky, to get to the place where your faith is solid and you know who you are in Christ. And so then he goes on and he gives us this list and he says, if you do these things, you will not be shaky in your faith. Right? And that's what we want, isn't it? So we've got to build on this foundation. See, faith is important, right? We're, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But here's the problem. There are a tremendous amount of people that are sitting in churches all over the world who are people who are full of faith, who love God intently, intensely, who are still struggling with divorce, who are still struggling with sexual sin, who are still struggling with their finances, who are still struggling with not knowing what they believe or why they believe it. These are people who have faith, and so that's why Peter's saying, add to your faith. Add to your faith. See, if we're going to swim with spiritual heavyweights in these promises, we've got to make our way to the deep end of the pool at some time. And that's what Peter is leading us to. So we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about Peter's faith plus list. Sound good? All right. So today our first stop is virtue. Everybody say virtue. What does that mean? Virtue, right? It's the morally excellent life. It's a morally excellent life. It's the outward expression, right? It's living our faith. Later on in Peter's list, he talks about godliness. That's the inward person. Living a morally excellent life is the outward person. It's the expression, right? Um, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Let's read this together. It says, you are the light of the world. This is, this is Jesus speaking. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that all may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, Jesus is pointing out that we have a whole world watching us, don't we? They're watching us to see what we do as Christians. And Jesus says that we're to let our light shine by the good things that we do, by the way that we live our life. It's important. Um, at a previous job, let me, let me grab something here real quick. Thank you, sir. At a, at a, at a previous job I worked for a little while, I used, to, I used to wear one of these things. This is a bulletproof vest. Anybody ever seen one of these before? This is kind of an old, ugly, stinky one. <laughs> but I, I borrowed this from a friend. But I, 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 I used to strap one of these things on. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's a little nervous today. He's at work. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I... Uh, how many of you believe that this would stop a bullet? Anybody in here? Any hands? Come on, see some hands. 
I, I see hands that, 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 are, that, are, that are like, yeah, that, I, I think that probably could, right? And then there's some who are like, you're not asking for volunteers, are you? <laughs> it doesn't look like much. It, it's pretty thin, kind of floppy, and, and it's not even black. It's not even tactical, right? I mean, it's just this ugly white one. You'd think it came from the hospital or something. <laughs> The majority of people have, have faith that this would stop a bullet. But there are people every day who wake up in the morning, just a handful of people, who take these things and they put them on for every shift, and they go out into the world believing that somehow this thing is going to help them come home to their family at night. Right? There are some who believe that this would do something, and there's a whole other group that believe in it, right? They believe in it. They put it on, and they go about their day. When you put one of these things on, you look a little different. I mean, those things just kind of, they're cumbersome, they're bulky, they're awkward. When people look at you, if you were to strap this thing on and wear it out to dinner, people would notice it, wouldn't they? They'd be like, what's going on? You know, it just, it just would look, it just looks a little different. Paul says this, that, that we're to put on Christ. Romans 13, 14 says, put on Christ. When we put on Christ, our lives look a little bit different, don't they? They should. See, there's a difference between believing that and believing in, Right? We can believe that Christ died because we read a history book. We can believe that Christ rose again because we believe scholars who say that's just an indisputable fact of history. But it's a different thing entirely to believe in, to put your trust in, right? To put on Christ and to go about your day, about your week. Your life's going to look different. Something's going to be different about you. It's, in fact, it's the same point that, that Paul makes when he's talking about the, uh, the uh, armor of God. We'll talk about that another time. But it's about putting on Christ and going out, right? The, the whole point about, about the, the armor of, of God isn't about shoes. It's about the gospel of peace, right? We'll talk about it another time. I could spend like 20 minutes on this one, but I'm not. I'm resisting rabbit trails. I even told Pastor Terry, I'm going to resist him, man. I'm resisting. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's take a look at this. <gasps> Notes are gone. Thanks, man. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The way that we live our lives is our act of worship. Right? We come to church and, and singing songs is good. And I absolutely am blessed by the worship team that we have here. You guys are blessed with the team that we have. Eric, thank you so much for all that you do to lead us into the presence of God on a weekly basis. It, we are so blessed because of you and your family. Thank you. 
coming together and doing what we do on a Sunday morning is good, and it's worship. But there is something on a whole nother level when we live our lives for Christ on a daily basis, right? It is our spiritual act of worship when, when we lay down our lives and we take up living for Christ, right? I stuck this in here, the way that you live, right? Sometimes this just looks a little weird, our, our bodies being a living sacrifice. That just sounds so foreign to our, our, our way of thinking, right? But what... what is being said here, back in the day, a sacrifice was something that was totally normal to, to the Jews. I mean, this was common to them. They knew what sacrifice was all about. And so Peter's saying, you're not supposed to be a, a sacrifice that's put to death. You're supposed to be a living one, right? We're supposed to put something of ourselves to death to live for Christ. So Paul and Peter, they're exhorting us to get past belief and, and get into the lifestyle live, of living for Jesus. Living the virtuous life, guys, is not about a set of rules. Sometimes we have a tendency to think that, well, if, I, if I'm living for Christ, if I'm being virtuous or morally excellent, right, well, that, that means I've got some rules I've got to follow. I'm supposed to, you know, adhere to some, to some things like, like, you know, the Ten Commandments. That's like rules, right? I mean, I'm supposed to do some, do some, do some rules. But... In all reality, it is, not about, it is not about rules living for Christ. In fact, legalism is watching people. Legalism is watching people, right? Seeing if they're doing the right thing. Seeing if they're adhering to maybe a, some, a set of imaginary rules or, or rules that even maybe some churches have. I don't know, right? But we want to we adhere to these rules. That's what legalism is, right? But grace is watching out for people. That's what following Christ is about. It's not about legalism. It's about grace. It's not about the thing you do. It's about loving people. It's about loving your neighbor enough to follow after Christ with your whole life, with the way you live your life virtuously, knowing that people are watching so that we can be an example of Christ to the world. Legalism is rules-focused. Grace is people-focused. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's nowhere in Scripture I've ever found that a trademark of the Holy Spirit was rules, was legalism. If, if, you, if somebody were to come to me and say, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to go to this other church because they worship on a different day, and that's the day that God said, the Holy Spirit told me that that's the day we're supposed to worship. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, is not legalism. It's not follow these rules because this is how you're supposed to do it so that we can judge one another and watch one another and make sure that that. That's, I'm not sure if you're wearing the right shoes to church. Or you're not supposed to have a hat on in church. That, that's not as spiritual, right? It's not about that stuff, guys. It's about grace. It's about the freedom we have in Christ to follow him, 
to love one another and to serve one another. To show, in fact, when you read through the New Testament, the majority of the the the, the books that are written in the New Testament begin with a greeting, and the greeting almost always includes, "May God give you more and more grace," and then a few other things, right? Grace, God does not give us grace, and Paul and Peter and the apostles did not say, may God give you grace, because he wants us to walk daintily, right? We think of grace as like, oh, well, that's like holding your spoon with two fingers, and, and you know, your, your cup just so. That's graceful, right? Well, is that what he's saying? No. Grace is something for you to receive from heaven to extend to others. What they are all saying over and over again is, may God give you grace for the world. May God give you a grace that you can extend to others, right? I'm going to put it in in, in American terms, man. We call it tolerance, (laughs) right? We have a twisted view of this word tolerance in in America today, but the essential when you boil, boil tolerance down to it, it's intent, Right? The original definition of tolerance, that's what grace is. Right? It's, it's when people are, aren't doing the rules we think they should be doing, the stuff that we think they should be doing a certain way, that we say, you know what, I love Jesus so much that I love you, and I don't care if you wear a hat in church. I don't care if your shoes don't match. I don't care if you, you know, your, 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 your clothes don't look the way I think they should look in church. I love you because Jesus loved me. And, and in fact, if your shoes don't match, I'm going to give you my shoes because I love you that much, because God loved me that much, that he gave his son, and I will do anything for you. It's grace for us to give away. So I want to talk to you lastly, a principle, principles of a virtuous life, right? A couple of principles, because like I said, this is not about the rules, is it? Right? We've got to, before we leave this room, we've got to have that settled. Living a virtuous life for Christ is not about following a set of rules. Right? But what I do want to do is be able to give you a principle today of how do we live a virtuous life and detach that from legalism and detach that from, from rules. Right? Because nobody's going to get saved because of a bunch of rules. It's ridiculous. But what they are going to get saved by is the grace that God has given you to give to them. And they're going to see that as you live for Christ. But here's, here's what it says in uh, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, honorable, and right, whatever things are pure and lovely and admirable, think about these things things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise. See, Paul doesn't give us a list of stuff to do to be righteous. He doesn't give us a list of rules that we need to follow to live a morally excellent life. What he says is, fill your hearts, fill your thoughts with these things, things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why does he say that? Because if things like this get in here and they get in here and they get in here, they're going to make their way down to here and they're going to come out here. Right? 
when we fill ourselves with these things, instead of a bunch of rules and don't do this and don't do that and you should do this, that's not the Spirit of God. This is. Allow your mind and your ears and your eyes, your hearts to be full of the things of God and the things of righteousness, the things of grace and peace and hope and love. And those things will begin coming out in your lifestyle. They'll begin coming out when your neighbors see you. They're going to be coming out when you're at the grocery store, when you're driving down the road, right? Those are things that you're going to add to your faith to make your foundation solid. Make your witness true. Make your faith secure. Because you never know who's watching. Now I'm going to backtrack for just a minute back to the promises of God. Now I'm going to ask you in here today. The Bible is full of promises for you. And there are people in here who, who may be struggling with with. God spoke a promise to you and it hasn't happened yet. I want to remind you that God is a God of yes. And as you align yourself with his purposes, right, this is another one. For, for, it says that for God works out all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? We hear this a lot when, when difficult things are, are going on, right? This is a promise, but we have to pay attention to what it says, right? God works out all things, all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I'm going to ask you, have you been living for your own purposes and expecting things to work out for good and hoping that they will? I hope they will. But I know that there's a guarantee that's found in Scripture that for those who put their trust in him, that now he would take control. And he's a good driver. Let's close our eyes and pray. If there's anybody here who has never surrendered their life to God, I want to invite you to do that this morning. The Bible says if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, that they would be saved. And this is a promise from heaven that God has an eternity set and waiting for you. An eternity full of hope and life and joy and peace that you've never had before that you can never attain on your own. And it comes through simply acknowledging, Jesus, I can't get to heaven on my own merit. I can't be perfect. I can't meet the standard of perfect righteousness that God requires. Therefore, I call on Jesus. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my failure. Make me right with you. And if that's you today, and, and you make any sort of confession that remotely points to the same thing that I just said, you need to know today that you are forgiven. No matter what you've ever done, no matter what you've ever thought, you are forgiven by the great, great grace of God. And he invites you to be part of the promises that he has for those who would choose to surrender their lives to him. You're forgiven. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has been made new. And that is the first promise you get to walk in today. You are new. Thank you.
Jesus.